Steve Kilberg is an experienced entrepreneur and e-commerce business expert with over 20 years of experience. For the past five years, Steve has focused on building an e-commerce brand that has grown to seven figures in revenue. He knows exactly how e-com businesses work and is actively helping other small to mid-sized businesses scale and exit successfully. In this episode, Steve gives away all the insider knowledge you need to know to build a successful e-com brand. He shares his insights on some of the key metrics that many e-com businesses are not aware of, as well as how to sell your business in the most profitable way. I you know, grew up in a family I was fortunate. My parents were around and my father had a corporate job and he was never that happy. And he always kind of planted that seed in my mind of, you should go do something on your own. You should go do something on your own. But of course it's scary, right? And I was fortunate enough earlier in my career to have an opportunity where I was a sales rep, but I worked out of my home at a very young age. And so it allowed me to kind of manage my own little business, if you will, from home. And I was being younger, I mean, you have to have some discipline um, and because you still have to get the job done. And uh, it really gave me some, some insights of what it would be like to work from home and to work on my own. And that gave me the, the taste of it, if you will. And so then I, of course, moved on to different jobs after that. But I always had that inkling in the back of my mind because I had that experience of setting my own hours, you know, whether I worked seven days a week or whatever that was, right? Um, I still had to get things done. And so an opportunity, fast forward many years later, and I had a job separation where I was made redundant. And my parents were at a point where my mother had some health issues. My, we were, I was living in a different state here in the U.S. than my parents. And so I was flying back and forth. At the time, I was still single. And so I just said to my, you know, my parents, I said, we can't sustain this. You're going to have to move or we have to do something. And then I decided to move them where I was living because of work, because I knew future opportunities were going to come from where I was living versus where, where they were living. So they agreed to move. And then my mother's went downhill. And long story is it became pretty much a full-time job. So that kind of forced me, I got to figure something out here because I got to make some kind of income while I can make it. And I made a choice. I mean, a lot of people will choose to put their parents in a facility or whatever their relationship is. And I had a great relationship with my parents where I just felt that I owed them that that respect and that honor. And so I made that choice and just everything else was off the table. And lo and behold, that turned into a whole evolution that I never would have anticipated and some things with my mother's health. And so the long story is they both ended up passing away. So, but by then I was already down this path. And so I said, okay, I got to keep going. So now since that time period, I met my now wife and, but I, I, I now the bug was there and I had to figure something out. So I still had some different trials and errors of things up and down, but I just did not want to go back because I knew um, what that would be like. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I've done that. There's some great things about it. I've worked with some great people, had great experiences, but to me, it was just, there was just so many things that were still all the same. Cause when I did change jobs, it was, it was a different flavor of blah in terms of great things about it, but that's still the same. And there's all the politics and all the garbage that comes with it, the backstabbing. It just, I, I just can't stand. It makes me, it gives me that visceral reaction of just talking about it. Mm. So anyway, um, I ended up trying some things and then I got to the point, I had some friends doing e-commerce. I said to my wife, well, let me give this a shot. If I can't figure something out in six months, I'll go get a job and we'll, you know, can move on. Well, six months goes by. I hadn't quite made the goal that I had met, however, I had made significant progress and it just gave me that, okay, I got to keep going. <laughs> I have to yeah. keep going. I can't give up. 
And so more trials and errors, yada, yada. And so then my wife and I got, so we had some success and we started traveling and literally knock on wood, we were fortunate enough. Our business was going, it was growing. It figured out, made a lot of mistakes, which I still have made, but I've learned from those mistakes. I try to learn from them as I can. And we were literally traveling the world and we said, wait a minute, we're young enough. We don't have children. Um, this is this is what we want to do. And so if we want to do this, we maybe we can do it now because we both had experience where people live a normal life, they have kids, they whatever, you know, they move on and then they want to do these things together. And then something happens and health comes up or something where they can't live that life of their dreams. And my wife and I are still young or younger than even, but we're gonna do this. Why don't we do it now? So and we knew and now we were part of a group that other people were doing this, and that just re-motivated us to keep going. So then we started to do it and then we got a phone call about her dad having some, you know, some aging issues. And so we said, okay, we have the flexibility. So we'll move to Florida and we'll live with him and take care of him. He was still ambulatory, still cognitive and all those things, but he just needed some eyes on him Mm. because he was just, you know, leaving the stove on and just little things like this, which were going to potentially cause or cascade into some more serious events. So then that kind of another shift of our life. And so we, um, we moved in with him and then the pandemic hit and then crushed our business because we had e-commerce business. And so, you know, now we're years into this. And so I had to kind of keep moving because sadly we were going to sell our business and I'm leading up to where I'm at today. So I had the corporate experience and I'm into the entrepreneurial and I'm still doing that, but I'm doing a lot of consulting because I've gotten such vast experience because I grew a business from an idea. We had a dinner one night to do seven figures in sales. Mm. And, you know, that was kind of a milestone to cross that because once I got to that point, I realized how all this works. And I just you're able to kind of put the dots together. And and now I understand no matter what niche I look at, I can pretty much pinpoint where there's there's roadblocks. Now, again, I may not have all the answers, but I can tell you where the problems are, where the bottlenecks are. And I just got off a call an hour ago with with a, you know, just a colleague talking with her about her business. And I was asking her some common questions, which we can dig into later, because I think it'd be valuable for your listeners. Yeah. And she had the same response that all the people I talked to. And she's like, well, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm like, well, you should know the answer to this question. If you don't, you need to start looking at your business because when you understand these KPI metrics, you understand this about your business, you will you will think completely different about how your business is and how you're gonna function, and how you're gonna grow your business. Because that's the goal of every business is to grow. So now fast forward to where I'm at today is I'm doing some consulting, um, some advising to businesses on the mergers and acquisition side. And we're dealing with smaller assets, which are typically sub five million in revenue, right? Because there's a whole slew of businesses that are in that phase. They're doing less than five million a year. They're growing, they're kind of stuck, but they don't know why they're not growing. So I can help them get them refined and more importantly, put them on a position where they can actually, if they decide to sell, we can actually take them across that line and have an exit experience. And so I'm helping a colleague do that. As a matter of fact, this morning, we just closed down one of our businesses we've been working on trying to sell it. Ironically, it's a, it's a young guy from, from Amsterdam. We're selling his business mm-hmm. and he's an e-commerce business. And we found some buyers from him in Canada of all places. So these are businesses all over the world. So I'm getting in the trenches, which ties back to what I'm doing today is I've been doing this M&A work as a, in addition to consulting and advising, in addition to kind of building our e-commerce business back up because the world is open back up. But it's utterly fascinating because I see the same pattern now that I'm doing the M&A side of taking businesses across that line and having that exit experience. Because what people don't realize, and I didn't realize this as well, is that that's when you make the lion's share of the money. When you build an asset to a certain spot, it's either over your head or you're bored with it or you're burnt out or you just wanna move on into something different. 
in your life because life's going to change. Don't kid yourself. Five years from now, we're going to most likely be doing something different. We may be doing something the same, but what you're doing, there's certain aspects where church are going to change with technology advents. Case in point, something that was launched today at the filming of this this, uh, this podcast, which I'll talk about later. Mm. But anyway, um, those are that's how I got to where I'm at today. So I'm having the time of my life. I'm doing M&A work with businesses, advising them on either getting them ready to sell or if they're ready to sell, taking them across that line and actually, you know, finding buyers for them, going through all that process and having that and then, you know, having them have that feeling of, man, I just built this asset and I sold it. Whether it's a six-figure exit or a seven-figure exit, that's a that's a monumental um, accomplishment for any business owner. I don't care if you sell it for even 100000 US. You took it from zero and you grew it into that spot. Yeah. And my wife and I in our business, we were literally in Mexico having a conversation and I, we could have sold it, and we, I thought to myself, but if we do this and this, we could double or triple it. That was a mistake, because yeah. five months five months later, this thing called the pandemic hit and yeah. crushed our business, right? Yeah. But lesson learned, though. So, I mean, it's painful to me to talk about this, but it is what it is. I can't change. I got to move forward, right? So that's anyway, that's enough of my background and where I'm at today. Yeah, I was going to say, what is the product? Like, What is it that you're selling? We were selling some small fitness accessories. My wife's a marathon runner, and so we were selling right. some small items related to the niche of running. Mm. And we sourced it from China. We visited factories. We got all this stuff. We were basically building a brand out. We had built a brand big enough to the point we could have sold it. And it wouldn't have been a home run, mm. but it would have been a six-figure exit. And to start that from zero, grow it to seven figures in sales, and yeah. still be able to sell that thing for multi-six figures would have been a big deal. Mm. But even though we didn't have to take that last step, I know how this works and I know what to do to get it right back to that level. So we're in the process of doing that. But I don't want to say I've been sidetracked, but now that I'm dealing with my colleague on this M&A side, I mean, the trenches and all these businesses, I am utterly fascinated because I get to see everything on their business. I see all the financials. I see how they're generating traffic and how they're marketing their business and how they're actually monetizing it, what they're doing and what the business model is. And I can see they're, they're all making similar mistakes. And you know what? We made this exact same mistakes, but now I'm seeing it from a different perspective. It's mind blowing to me. And so that to me is so valuable and so powerful because I know exactly the mistake people are making. As I said, I just talked with somebody an hour and a half ago and she is making the exact same mistakes. And I was trying to tell her, I'm like, see, you're making these same mistakes. She's like, I didn't know. I'm like, you don't even know what you don't know. And that's okay. But I'm telling you, you need to address your business this way. So anyway, that's, I can dig into that now or in the, you know, as we kind of continue our talk here today. Yeah. Well, what I would be interested in is the, the process of building a seven figure brand, because everybody talks about the idea about, you know, mm-hmm. you start with your product and then you build your product line and then you have a suite of products and then you bundle yep. them and, you know, all these, yep. these parts that are a bit abstract, but, you know, day one, let's be honest, there's no sales. And the nope. people that are visiting the website might be yourself and someone else you've asked to check the website. The first <laughs> right. sale might be your friend or, you know, a family member. Once you get to that point where you don't know who Stacy is out in Alabama or who or yep. Adam out in, you know, whatever part of the world. How do we get to that point? What does that look like when you're building that first, you know, let's be honest, five figures in revenue, which, you know, a five figure month, a five figure year, but that process to seven figures is so far away. I'm just wondering what, what that step, what those steps look like. Oh, it's such a great question, Sam. So the first thing I tell all people, I have this conversation when I get this question is if you're starting from nothing, pick something you have an interest in. And this is why this is sort of critical because I can guarantee 
you're going to hit stumbling blocks. You're going to hit roadblocks. You're going to get frustrated. Something you don't know what you don't know is going to come up in a matter of time. It could be weeks. Yeah. doesn't matter when. It's going to happen. And if you don't have an interest in the product that you're selling or you're trying to offer the marketplace, you're going to, you don't want to get, don't, people chase the money time and time again. They're like, I can make them, I can make all this money from selling this thing. That is the 100% wrong thing to do. You might be able to make a lot of money, but if you don't have an interest in digging through what those stumbling blocks or those roadblocks you're going to hit, you come up against, then why do it? You, I can tell you right now, you can make just as much money selling something that you have an interest in because you're going to be, have that passion to dig, dig that much deeper. Now, my wife's a marathon runner. I run as well. So I have that interest. And the problem that we were solving, we were literally solving a pain that people have from, from the sport of running. It, mm. You know, we're all weekend runners, weekend warriors, so to speak. And you get out there and all those types of things. And so you had to have aches and pains. And so our physical products was solving a problem. And then, so that was something that I personally dealt with. My wife had dealt with it. So it was something for us. It was like, okay, that makes sense, right? So this is what you hear people say, solve a pain or a problem in the marketplace, demonstrate how you can solve that problem and just put it out to the marketplace and just test some things. And that's what we did. We literally, I said, wait a minute, we can sell this product. So I got some samples. I built a, a funnel where I just built a landing page. I took a picture literally with my, my, my iPhone. I just took a picture, didn't make it fancy because I didn't, because you start, people get hung, so hung up on the tech. They go, I got to buy this fancy camera. I got to do all this stuff. And the answer is no. Here's another tidbit for your audience, which you'll love. And I tell them, I share this story. People are blown away all the time. I call this my million dollar iPhone. Why? We ran video ads once we figured out some things early on, because that's when things and video still works, but now images have come back on Facebook ads. But we video ads were hot for a while. I shot a video with my iPhone. That video ran for over two years, and I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on that one product once I got that product dialed in because I shot all of the video with my smartphone. People think I have to have a fancy camera, I gotta hire the studio. No, it's already in your hands. It's, I guarantee it's within within two meters of your hand right now. I yeah. guarantee it. So that being said, back to answer your question is, you have to test some things. And that's the thing that's hard when people are starting out because you don't know what you don't know. And most people give up. I've made this mistake as well. You give up too quick. You try something, it doesn't work. You may try again, it doesn't work. You may try a third time, it doesn't work. And then you throw your hands up, this stuff doesn't work. But now that I'm farther down the line, I'm just ahead of everybody. I can tell you there are certain nuances that pe all people are making, but when it boils it down to, I've done this long enough to where it's just data and analyzing the data. And let me, let me clarify what I mean by that is you have to do something, either post something on social media or when we were, we ran some ads initially because I, I knew I had to run ads. And when I first started running ads, I was petrified. I said, 20 US dollars a day, mm. I can't spend it that much. When our business was humming, I was spending $2,300 a day and I was letting it rip. Yeah. And I ended up realizing I had to turn, this was painful at the time, but I had to turn my ad spend down because I was running out of product. And I knew from when I ordered, I had to take six weeks before it got my warehouse. But anyway, back to answer your question, how does this, how do you get to that spot, right? Because I couldn't envision it when I first started was, I just started real small. I tested some stuff. Now, today's world, because I know what I'm doing, but just hopefully this will help your audiences, in like just some easy Facebook ads, you can literally spend $10 a day. So if you have $100 you can spend, which you should have $100 you should be able to spend to test some things. Yeah, You may have to spend a little bit more, but within $100, I can guarantee you, you can run enough traffic to your landing page to see, does people opt in or do they get, can you make one sale? 
If you can make a sale, I mean, you may not in your first hundred dollars, that's okay. Cause you have to spend a little bit of money to get those things figured out. Yeah. That's the part that people don't realize is right. But the problem is people run into it. They don't know anything. They just blow through a ton of money. And I feel so bad for people because I kind of made some of these mistakes, but I was smart enough to realize I got to figure this out. I have to hire somebody, which is painful. I had to hire somebody and they helped me go a little bit farther and they kept helping me go a little bit farther. I kept, you know, getting different coaches along the way. But like this woman I just talked with, she, here's like another thing that pains me when I hear this. She has an agency that she hired six months ago mm-hmm. and they've delivered her no results. And that's just wrong. I mean, at that point in time, if you can't show, demonstrate within six weeks, you can't demonstrate some kind of value or some kind of, even less than that, you shouldn't be taking people's money. That's the way I operate. But the thing of it is you have to, I'm, I'm rambling on here, but I'm trying to give you context to get those people to either opt in or to sell that first, just to make that first sale. Cause that feeling of getting that first sale is so monumental when you have your iPhone, when you have your phone make that little noise where it does the cash register sound where it goes ka-ching and you're like, what? And then when you hear that in the middle of the night, it is like you're laying there and just have a little smile to your face. Like there's a sale, I was making money while I'm sleeping, right? Um, but the point is you have to, you have to spend a little bit of money and here's the other mistake that people don't make. Whether it's just, if you don't want to spend money, that's okay. You can post content on social media. And if you don't even have a following, just try to be creative. There's ways you can post something to give you some kind of data. Cause you got to find out, does anybody have an interest in this, right? Even if you just post it to your personal socials and just say, you know, some, something along the lines, either add to the contribution of somebody else talking about this or start it on your own. But then you have to analyze the data. And here's what I mean by this. This is the mistake that people just don't. Is that a lot of times they don't know what to look for. They don't know what they don't know. But it's like, did somebody raise their hand and say, yes, I have this problem. And then B, if they raise that, if they raise their hand and say, yes, I have this problem. Can your prop, if you create a landing page, do they opt in? Now, here's another to take that a step further. People are looking at, okay, well, I had 100 people come to my landing page. Did I ask people to opt in? That's what you should be doing because you want to gather their email address. Not that you're going to spam them, but you got to at least that's a part of moving the needle, right? Even if you didn't get their email address, you have to measure. You have to be, and this is where I'm analytical. I get kind of anal about this, but I, got, I realized I have to measure every step of the process. So to be more specific, somebody clicks and they get to my website. And then how long do they spend the website? Okay. And then did they, if they get them to opt in, which I do, did they, how many people opted in and went to the next page, right? So you should always be shooting for numbers in there. There's just KPIs. You should be getting a 20% opt-in. There's a number of rule time. You can get less, but that should be a rule that you should look for, 20%. Then of those, so if you get 100 people, 20 people should opt in. And of those people who opted in, now you got 20 people who are farther down that line, right? So it's like, we're having a conversation here, Sam. We've extended the conversation. It's like meeting somebody at a social event. You don't walk up to them and say, buy my product. I mean, you just don't right. do that, right? Yeah. You walk up, you start a conversation, you're starting a relationship, you're starting whatever that dialogue is, it's the same thing in that online experience. If they opt in in this scenario here and they get to the next step, if you then are showing and demonstrating how you can solve their problem and, you, and you're offering it for a price that's reasonable, then you should make a conversion. And that's the thing that people, either they don't look at the numbers, they don't see where people are dropping off. And you can get really analytical and do some heat mapping. I record, I recommend people do what's called screen recording and heat mapping because you really, you start flying blind, right? I need, I look at people and I consult with people. I say, I need data, man. We need to put some heat mapping and screen recordings on here because we got to drive some traffic. We need some eyeballs to that page. Then I got to look over their shoulder and see what are they doing? I don't know. They, all this stuff captures, keeps all the privacy out. 
but I literally can look over their shoulder and see where they confuse because maybe the landing page is just really confused. Maybe it's not loading fast enough. Maybe yeah. you got too many images. Maybe your images are way too loud, but that's getting really granular, but that's the type of stuff you have to do. Now, be, and this is, this is the, hopefully the value your listeners will get from this is, I don't want them to be overwhelmed, but you just have to look at some data. And at that point in time, you should see some metrics. And once you have one person, all you need is one person. It could be that first opt-in and that first sale. That just proves that you have something that the marketplace wants. Right. You know, roll this back up is, so whether you're selling a coaching program or you're selling a service like a software or anything, a physical product, you're demonstrating that you can solve something, a problem or a challenge that somebody in the market, that enough of the people in the marketplace needs. A marketplace, you, first of all, you have to have enough people have that problem. And I think people understand that. And the other thing that people get hung up on is they're like, oh my God, there's too many people doing this. Well, that's okay because you want competition. Or sometimes I'll have people come to me and I'll say, I have this idea for a product and nobody's doing it. And I'm like, stop right there. That's a problem, <laughs> right? Because yeah. you want to know that there's competition, which proves that there's a marketplace to, to, solve, to have your product or service solve that. Now, you may come at it from a different perspective, which is good because you want to be a little bit different. Because if you are a Me Too product, you're just a commodity at that point. And now it just becomes a race to the bottom. And that's getting a little bit off topic here. But long, long answer to your question is I tell people to start with something that you have an interest in, first and foremost, and then test it <clears throat> to the marketplace, whether it's a physical product or it's a product or service. You have to demonstrate that you can solve and add value to the marketplace. If you can do that, then you've got something and you can eventually lead to that seven figure business. Now, the only way you're gonna know that is by doing some research on the front end to see is the market big enough. So in our niche, we're in the running niche, which is hyper competitive, but that is a multi-billion dollar industry, right? Yeah. Looking back at that, you know, I would have done some things different, but it doesn't matter because now I know enough about this. And to give you some more context is once I understood how all this stuff worked, I was competing with brands. Okay, listen to this. In primetime television here in the US, it's the most expensive medium as it is in the UK, right? Any place in the world, if you're running television advertising in the prime time, which is anywhere between 7 p.m. at night and 10 p.m., that is when you have the most eyeballs, right? Our competitor, one of our top competitors was running ads on television and I would sit there and look and you know what? They were getting their product from the same exact factory I was because right. I knew it yeah. because I, was in, I went to China and one of our one of the trade shows that we went to, we saw our competitors were like, where's that? And they're like, well, we produced that for them. Would you want to do it for you? Do you want us to do it for you? We're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> all it is is a different box. I mean, the yeah. same, it's all the same, right? They may infuse some things different, but it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. The design might be slightly different. And that's the stuff that people didn't realize when you get, now I'm going way off topic here, but they were running ads on television. And here's a guy sitting in his condo or in uh, traveling the world, running ads on Facebook, and I'm not spending money on television ads, I never will, but I was able to compete with them yeah. because I was able to leverage things that I knew about power of the internet where I was running paid traffic to get people through my funnel because my product was similar enough, it was at a price point, and yet we were solving it from a different perspective. All I cared about was getting a customer. I just wanted to get as many customers as I could and to try to build up my relationship with them. Now we made a bunch of mistakes in doing that, um, which caused just pain, great pain when the pandemic hit and we ran out of product. That's yeah. where a guy like me got crushed because big guys could weather the storm where we couldn't. But that being said, as I know how this works, so we're on our way back. So yeah. anyway, 
I'll take a break. <laughs> no, you're giving away all the gems, which is great because most people are, oh yeah, in my course or in my mastermind, you can find yeah. out all this information. You're giving it all away, which is great. This is that this is that type of episode where I don't even know how I'm going to title it so people understand that this is what you want to listen to. Steve's giving it all away to you, you know, for free to help you get to where you need to get to so you're actually at a level where he can work with you, which is fantastic. So I want to ask you, about you said there was these questions that you always ask every e-com business owner and i'm sure i've even got a friend actually who's just starting an e-com brand that would probably have no answer to these questions so it's better to get them out of the way and see what these questions are and they can answer them for themselves and you know get to that next step oh great question sam now it doesn't have to be e-com it can also be a SaaS business yeah. it could also be a blog website it doesn't matter right yeah. so these are what's called kpis key performance indicators right you need to know, every business owner needs to know, what does it cost you to acquire a lead down to the euro, the pound, or the dollar? Whatever right. your currency metric is going to be, right? You should know that down to the decimal point. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you right now, pretty much every business owner I talk to throughout the world, because I've talked to people all over the world, no, most people, I would say 80 to 95% of people don't know the answer to that question. That's a right. nice mistake right there. You need to know down to the penny. The next question is, okay, so if you don't know what it costs you to acquire a lead or a, you should also know what it costs you to acquire a customer down to the, the decimal point of your currency of choice, you then should know the next one would be, well, what is your average transaction value on the initial transaction? What's it worth to you? Like, are they spending 20 pounds, $20, whatever that initial transaction? We, we meet, you buy my product. Okay, how much did you spend? They should know that on average. Most people, are gonna, most people have an idea on that because they're going to look at their metrics. So this is assuming they have sales. But if they don't have sales, you just try to get some leads coming through. And then you want to look at, okay, if I'm getting just an email, what's my percentage conversion? These are K performance indicators. So what's my cost to acquire a lead or what's my percentage conversion? What's my cost per acquire a customer? What's my average transaction value? The last one is the most important, which nobody Nobody knows. And this is mind blowing to me because I knew these numbers, right? I did know, I did know enough. This is just the business side of it is, is what is your lifetime value for your customer? And you can right. slice that over the last six months, the last 12 months, the last 18 months, forever. Depends on how you want to define that. The reason why that number is the most important number in your business is that's going to allow you to, to know how much you can then spend, whether it's monetary through pay traffic or through influencer marketing or just through social media posts, whatever that is, how much can you spend to acquire a customer? Because over the course of their life with you, they're gonna be worth this much. So let me give you some numbers here. If I know that it costs me, I'll make these numbers up, 30 US dollars to acquire a customer. And it's a, let's say it's $5, round numbers, $5 to acquire a lead, which is an email, mm. $30, to, $30 US dollars to acquire a customer. My initial transaction is worth, let's say I'm doing even e-commerce is worth 40. Well, now I got $10 left over for the actual cost of product. It's probably gonna be less than, if you're doing something small e-commerce, it should be less than $10. But you still have to have, you still have to generate the traffic in the eyeball. That's not enough money left over. But let's just use this example. There's $10 gross margin left over. However, if I know my lifetime value for that customer coming in is worth $200, just do the simple math. If my lifetime value is 200, it costs me 30 to get him in the door. My initial transaction is only 40, but I'm I can even lose money on the initial transaction because I know in the next six months or the next 12 months or whatever that time frame is, they're worth 200. 
I would spend as much money as possible right now. Now the caveat becomes if you're doing e-commerce mm. or even SaaS or some kind of business, you're going to have to have some cash to float that through until you get to that $200. So you got to be careful with that. And that's a mistake we made until I understood that lifetime value. And then by then I was like, whoops, but that's critical because you will burn through a lot of money and you will potentially go out of business. So you don't want that. This is why you want to model this stuff out and put these in a spreadsheet before you get started, right? This is the other reason to go back to pick something you have an interest in, kind of map out all your numbers. You can start to play around with these numbers. You can. There's some software that now that'll let you model these and say, if I charge this and I get this, you can play. If I get this conversion, it costs me this. What kind of profits left over? Right. So you don't go on a waste of, you want to almost model that. Out. Well, no, not, not, not kind of, you do want to model this stuff out. Even if you don't have the software, it doesn't matter. Put it into a spreadsheet and start playing things around or put it on paper to say, I want to chart, like what's my competitors charging? My competitors are charging 75 US, fine. I'll charge 75 just to be consistent with them. What does it cost me to produce that product? What's it, those, you back into those numbers. Then you need to see what's my gross profit. And then you don't, aren't going to know what your lifetime value is by looking at your competitors, but you can kind of figure some of those things out, even just ballpark it. But then you just have to start being creative and saying, okay, what else can I sell them? Because the end of the day, business is just about a relationship. Sam, you and I are talking right now. Yeah. We're building a relationship. I'm building a relationship with your audience. You have a strong bond with your audience. You have a relationship with them, right? They're yeah. coming back to you to hear more exciting episodes, right? So mm -hmm. they're investing their time and or money, whatever that is. It's a, it's a, it's a currency of some value, right? So if they keep coming back to you and you can then put a dollar amount to that, you know how much that, that, that listener is worth to you, that customer is worth to you. Everything revolves around that number at that point. You just work backwards from there. So what does it cost me here? And if you know those numbers out step by step by step, I guarantee you, you will never look at your business the same way again because you're going to know everything. And you need to know your numbers front to back and back to front. Because I knew enough to when I was running those ads competing with my competitor that was running primetime television ads, I knew if I could get so many clicks with my Facebook ads, if I kept my numbers below this spot, my business would run and it would grow and I, I was all good. And it would just churn. And that's when I was spending over 2,000 US dollars a day on running ads. And I had to turn my spend down, which was painful because I'm like, oh my God, things are working. The machine is working. It's all flowing. I got to slow this thing down because I'm a small guy. And I know if I place an order, by the time I place an order with my factory, it's four to six weeks, typically six weeks before it's in my warehouse. So if I only ordered so many units, if I start doing the math on so many average sales, I'm going to run out in three weeks. Wait a minute. I got a problem here. I got to turn this down so I can, I can slow that down. That was a challenge that I ran into. I didn't know that, mm. but I got to that spot where that became a new problem. But it's like, okay, well, I learned that lesson. So I won't make that mistake again. Is Now, this goes back to if you're selling e-commerce. Now, if you're doing drop shipping, that's a little bit different. We were choosing to build a brand. Yeah. That's just a choice we made, right? It's a little bit more capital intensive. You don't have to do that. But I'm just giving you some of these metrics because it's all the same at that point. Now, if you have a SaaS product, either a software as a subscription or a, a subscription product, it could be an e-commerce product, like a supplement or something. And if you're drop shipping that, that's a lot easier because you're gonna know all those numbers ahead of time. But so many people I talk with have not mapped their numbers out, which is just mind boggling to me. Like, even if you're selling a, something, you should know those numbers. You should put them on a spreadsheet. And I will tell you, highly intelligent people don't know these numbers. For example, because I told you earlier, I'm doing some M&A work with you know, different businesses, whether e-commerce or SaaS businesses. My colleague and I sold a, an e-commerce business with some colleagues or some, uh, some e-commerce business owners last year. These people, incredibly smart people, they went to Stanford, which is one of the most prestigious universities in the world. They got their MBAs from Stanford. Okay, so think about this. If, I, if, 
If you meet a Stanford MBA, are you going to you going to think immediately that person is pretty smart, right? Well, you'd hope so, but what you, you find out is they're just very skilled at one thing. Well, they're skilled, they're skilled at some good things, but they to their admission, they could not make it work and they said we're not marketers. And when I asked them these questions, guess what? They didn't know it. I was like, "How do you not know this?" Yeah. They knew they knew multiple of those things, but when I asked them the cost to acquire a customer, they went into this literally this diatribe of answer. I'm like, it's very simple. You have a thousand customers. Do the math. I don't, you know, and how, how many times, how many times have they purchased from you? And they were using Shopify. So all those numbers are in Shopify. Yeah. And they were so wrapped around the axle. I'm like, I can tell you in five minutes, if you give me access to your back end. Right? Yeah. But it just blew my mind. But again, sometimes people that are intelligent, we, and I'm guilty of this too, we overthink things to death and you, you make the most simple things so complicated. And trust me, I'm just as guilty of this because there's been times it's like, there's a giant elephant over my shoulder and I'm like, I don't, what are you talking about? There's no elephant next to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a giant elephant next to me. Yeah, no, that's definitely. I've, so it's, it's as simple as what you've said it is, is keep track of your numbers, make sure that the yeah. amount you're spending to acquire a customer is as little as possible compared to the price yep. you're going to charge, which, you know, yep. you can either be top of market or, you know, middle of the market. But in an yep. ideal world, you want to charge a price that you're happy with, where you're making a good yep. multiple on your initial investment taking into account the lifetime, you know, value of a customer, which is, you yep. know, stuff that I know, but that's because I've been there, done that. And you know I mean, I've kind of had that same realization, like, hang on a sec, if I spend all day doing this, and I'm only making $200, I'm basically making minimum wage here, but technically less than minimum wage, because I have to pay for this and that and yeah. software. Yeah. So it's definitely things that, you know, feel like common sense once you've been through it, but you have to go through it and be aware to really understand, you know, what it is you're doing wrong and where you can improve these things. So yeah, no, that's, that's definitely right. And I oh, think so spot on, man, that's exactly it. And that's the thing that I tell people as well is for I, I, it, with us talking about this conception, it makes a lot of sense, but you really internalize it when you put the. I, for me, it worked for me when I was able to look at a spreadsheet or look at the business as a whole mm. and just see how it was working. It, all the dots came together and I said, now I got it. Yeah, because I could just see how the whole flow worked, and that goes back to, but the, how the whole you know, and then become it's your business at that point. It, business is just math and numbers, right? Yeah, I know when I when I say to people this is just math, so many people hate the word math. They cringe. They go, well, "I don't like math. Math, I don't math doesn't work for me." I'm like, if you can't do some simple arithmetic, addition and subtraction, and you know, multiplication, division then you should not be doing this because you're going to have to do this anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a valuable part of business and it's probably the most important part. Like my previous guest that I was just talking to before this, you know, he went like really, really deep into debt, you know, half a million dollars into debt. And then once he broke it down and realized what he was doing right and what he was doing wrong, he had to fire a bunch of clients to get regular yep. money coming in to pay the loans down, but also be more profitable, fire some people. And all these things, he said, they felt catastrophic and crazy. But it's like, no, this was the simplest thing to do but I just, I couldn't see that through it. So I'm wondering, you know, we've got the, the common misconception with, you know, an e-com business or a SaaS business of not having your KPIs right and all that kind of stuff. But what is something that, you know, we wouldn't know? So from your experience, the e-com world, you were talking about, you know, million dollar smartphone. How do we get our marketing right? I know the trends change and all that kind of stuff, but you've been in this for a number of years now. So I'm wondering, yeah. what is it we can do to get our product image right or, you know, the right kind of landing page? Because this is, this is the stuff that, you know, is hard to find out there. Oh, I love that question. It is. However, it's not. And let me give you some tips here for your listeners, because this is the stuff that I've learned. And now that I'm consulting and advising these other businesses, I see the same exact mistake, right? 
So whether you're, let's talk about e-commerce because that's what we sold, right? Here's what I did and not realizing the power of it. I, I did, but I didn't understand the true power of this is I was advised to go to Amazon, look at one of my competitors and read the reviews. Hmm. I'm like, okay. And most people will say, okay, I'll do that. And they read a couple of them. I'm like, maybe they read five or 10. I read hundreds of yeah. reviews, right? And guess what happened? A pattern emerged to show me what the pain point was. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's the same thing here over and over again. I have this pain, I have this pain, this problem, this product solved this pain. Well, then maybe we can do the same thing. That's what led us to getting those opt-ins and those initial early conversions, because I took the time to do this. Now, this is what's so cool about today, the filming this video. Artificial intelligence has exploded in the last you know, month. Actually, it's over the, over the holidays it exploded, but it's been not new. It's been around for a while, but there's a new tool in the marketplace, ChatGPT, right? It has yeah. exploded. And I was just, I've now gone down some major rabbit holes because now as I'm using this as a tool, because all at the end of the day is just a tool, right? That we, if you know how to use it, and I'm still learning, but I'm just, even the little bit that I've learned has just saved me so much time. So my example a second ago is I went to Amazon and I read literally a couple hundred reviews, positive and negative of my competitors. And I looked at a pattern and I, then I listed them out. I, it was hours I did this stuff, right? Yeah. You can now do that in minutes with ChatGBT. Here's a huge tip for your audience. If you're selling an e-commerce product or even a SaaS business or your competitors, but let's talk about e-commerce here. Take the Amazon listing for a product for one of your competitors and list out at least 10 of them, okay? If you can find 10, you should be able to find 10. Even if not 10, five is good enough or even one, doesn't matter. And look to see if they've got, and first of all, they want to have enough reviews. So you can see this in Amazon. It'll say, you want to have as many reviews as possible, ideally, right? Let's just say there's 100 reviews and there's going to be a mixture of 4.0 4 out of five stars, right? Perfect. Because that means they're, they're going to have some negatives. They're going to have a bunch of positives. Perfect. Yeah. So take the URL, put it into ChatGBT and say, please summarize the four and five star reviews in a bullet format below. And then subsequently summarize the one and two star yeah. comments below. And it will do that in seconds. It'll spit all those out. And this is why you want to do this for multiple competitors because it lists all that stuff out for you. Then you can copy and paste that. I read that. Now ChatGBT will do that for you in seconds, actually, if not yeah. minutes. That's a huge tip for your audience right there because you can do that. All Here's the thing that people don't realize is you have to do the research on the home and the research on the front end, right? Do a little bit of homework. It will save you so much time and it will save you so much lost money from doing a little bit of homework. And now with the advent of these tools, you can do this stuff. All this doing is collapsing time down to here. Yeah. It's literally collapsing it down to minutes, if not seconds. I mean, you, we've all experienced ChatGPT at this point in time. Um, if you're not, you're not listening, you're not in the business, but people yeah. have heard of it at this point, right? Yeah. But people don't realize the power of it and some of the stuff you can do. There are so many creative things you can do. It blows my mind. Like every day I'm like, oh my, look at this, what I can do with this, right? Yeah. It's so powerful. And I think the thing is that a lot of people don't know what to use it for. A lot of people are like, oh, yep. it's a bit of fun here. It's a bit of fun there. But like you said, yep. where I found it very useful is in compressing big text down to small text and, yep. you know, making things from bullet points into like readable paragraphs which is just Correct. a great place to be but so i'm wondering so we've got that kind of bit of research of going in getting the reviews getting them summarized down by chat gpt we know the pain points but now it's time to get our landing page right or get at least our ad you know that's probably the first thing people can see what what are the, the the secret little small things we can do with our ad is it all about the first line is it about the first bit of text is there a secret color that we can use is it orange you know like what's the kind of stuff that we don't know 
Don't worry about color. Color, those are details you can play with later, right? Yeah. The copy is everything. And this goes back to chat GBT being the godsend uh, equalizer for the average person, the, the singular solopreneur, right? Can now compete with these big companies, right? Now, here's the mistake people are going to make with this. They're going to take the shortcut. And they're going to use it. And they're just going to have, they're going to ask a question. They're going to get an answer. They're going to use that. Mm. You can try that. It may not work long-term. You're still going to have to use this, right? Mm -hmm. You still got to use your creative thinking skills. You still got to critically think about things, right? It yeah. goes, but you've probably heard this by now. It comes down to the prompts that you're putting into it, right? You really have to strategically think about this. However, just what I said, if you, in that example of the Amazon listing, here's exactly what you can do step-by-step. Step. Go to Amazon, look at your competitors. Let's talk about e-commerce as an example, but this is applicable to anything if you think about this. Because mm -hmm. even in Amazon, if you're selling something else, I guarantee there's a book that's gonna be talking about the same topic approximately. Mm -hmm. Look at your competitors, ask ChatGBT to summarize the positive features and the negative features. Read that entirely, look for maybe something they're missing, and then that becomes, now you're still in ChatGBT, you can then instruct ChatGBT to say, okay, take, let's say you summarize things in the bullet points. These are good things, these are bad things. Summarize that out for what you take. You're gonna take, now you're gonna sift the data a little bit, right? This is where you're sifting through all the data. You then can instruct ChatGBT, create some headlines for me for a Facebook ad, incorporating these as, as problem issues that I'm solving and avoiding these pain points right here. And it will spit out, you can ask it to list you five or 10. That's where then you have to test those things. And you don't take what it spits out to you verbatim. What I'm typically doing right now is I'll ask for five subject headlines or five topics or whatever that is. And I'll say, you know, this first one, I like the first part of that, but I don't like the second part. Oh, this third one down here, I like the second piece. That's so I'll just take and com combine those together. And it makes it, it just makes better sense. And then you got to test it. You don't got to know, right? Because the other thing I tell people is that what I think when it comes to some of this stuff about like a specific marketplace, what I think is kind of irrelevant I look at the data, I kind of use, I do some research, and then I test a little bit of stuff. And again, you're not talking spending a lot of money, but if you articulate things the right way, you can show how you can solve a pain point. Now, I'll give you another way to answer your question. We used my smartphone to do this, right? Mm. When I did all that Amazon research, I found the pain point that became over and over and over again. People said this, I'm like, there's our hook, right? So we did that initially and it worked. So then it's when the video ads started to get hot. I'm like, oh my God, how am I gonna do this? I gotta shoot, and you start becoming like, oh, over. Nope, pull my phone out. A mentor of mine said, just pull your phone out and shoot. Just think about all the research you've done. I'm like, oh wait a minute, here, I have this right here. He's like, great, there you go, shoot the video. Yeah. So I had my wife do something and I did this on my phone and I shot this thing and I demonstrated that we could solve that problem with our product. I just needed to get their attention. Yeah. And then enough people clicked and enough people went through and converted. Once I got that dialed in for two and a half years, we had an ad that ran and from a click on Facebook, to a conversion, it was 4.2% for two and a half years. Yeah. I don't care how much I spent. It's what it just ran. Yeah. It just ran, 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 and ran. So my point, the long answer is to go back to answer your question is how do you get that? First of all, take a picture of somehow demonstrating what that is and just, you gotta be creative. I don't have the answer to that. You just have to try different things, right? Try different headlines, try a little bit of copy because now digging into this, if you're gonna run some ads is you need to find out you should be shooting for a one to two percent click through rate. If you can get a five percent, that's amazing. But long term, as you start to scale your ads, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But a one to two, but a one to two percent click through rate somewhere in there is going to be fine. You can even get away with a little bit less if your numbers on the conversion side make out. But just shoot for one percent. And so if you can get a one percent click through rate and then a twenty percent conversion, and then just getting people down that process, the numbers will work themselves out. 
And so, and if you're, if you're, if those are not working initially, then you can start digging, okay, what, this is a problem here. So if you're paying $3 a click, whether the problem you do with your targeting is a problem with your ad. Now, I don't know which one it is, but we've got to dig, we got to test a little bit. So you turn the spend down and you just kind of, you tweak some things here and there and you can figure that setup out pretty quickly. You're talking less than hundred US, you can figure some of that stuff out. At least that's been my experience. Cause you can make some pretty, if you, again, go back to your research, if you're solving a pain point for whatever it is. So like we're in fitness, I was just targeting competitor magazine ads. That's pretty common and it worked for crying out loud because they had the audience, they had the eyeballs, the congregation of people that I know are gonna have this pain point. So I know that roughly statistically enough people are gonna be in their sphere that I can demonstrate that I can solve that problem and it worked. And I can tell you right now, I can go into any business and do the same thing. Yeah, that is perfect because that is the kind of stuff that realistically you're not going to hear anywhere else that's the kind of stuff that people are going oh well yeah do this buy my course and all that kind of stuff you literally like i said earlier giving it all away steve and obviously that's because you want people to get to that point where you can help them go yeah. and sell their business and you know absolutely going to sell your business is a very it's for some people tough decision to make but realistically it's you know it's a it's a very big moment that if you don't have the right kind of help it can go all the way wrong. But there's definitely yes. a way that you know, as much as you know about building these things to a big seven-figure amount, you also know how to sell them in the most profitable way. So I'm wondering, what does that look like? Does it look like firing all your staff or does it look like you know completely ramping up your ad spend before you get there? I'm just wondering, what is the M&A process like? Oh, that's another great question. Well, now this goes back to the numbers of a business, right? So we talked about all of some of the minutiae detail to getting the sales, right? Mm. But at the end of the day, when you get to that M&A experience, you're going to have to have a profit and loss statement or an income statement. That's the reality of it. Because I don't care what you get to sell your business. If you, especially if you're getting into that, even a multi, if it's, even if you're selling it for 100,000 US, they need to see a financial. They need to see your P&L. They have to, right? Mm. The P&L is going to tell a story about a business, right? It all, the numbers are going to tell a story, right? What's your ad spend? What's your marketing cost? And this is where I'm like fascinated by this because I can see the financials and how it correlates to what they're doing on the ad side. And every business is making critical mistakes to get because it leads to their profitability. And like I said earlier, Sam, when I ask people, what's your cost to acquire a customer? What's your average transaction value? What's your cost to acquire a lead? What is your lifetime value? When they don't know their lifetime value, they're flailing away. Yeah, they're maybe making some money, but because they don't know that number, they're not thinking about their business the right way. They're not making different decisions to adjust those numbers to make it more profitable, which becomes worth more, which a buyer will then spend more to give you more value, a multiple of your business. That being said, when it comes down to selling the business, there are a whole bunch of details and you got to have a P&L in there. And one of the things that we've experienced time and time again is we'll have a lot of people, great example. We've got a software business we're selling right now. It started from a guy in Europe, really nice guy, really smart guy. He solved a problem in a niche that he was involved in, developed some software, but he's a technician. He's a software guy. He's not a business person, right? And it yeah. becomes very evident because he doesn't know these numbers at all. He's made it very clear yes he's profitable right now because he's selling a higher ticket service in the software what it does yeah but at the same time though because he doesn't understand some of these numbers and how to market the business and how to position it and how to talk to people on the front end he's doing it good enough but if he did it that much better and did this research and used you know better um had better coaches or had better agencies. I mean, some of these agencies out there are just horrible. I mean, I hate to badmouth people, but I'm like, I don't know what they're telling you because whatever they're doing wasn't working right. But anyway, the, yeah. we're st he's still profitable. We're still going to sell his business for multiple six figures, 
but I feel for him because it's like he's not doing these other things here. If he was, it would be worth that much more, yeah. but he's still going to have an exit experience. And so because of that, where we come into play, my colleague and I, because we have the digital marketing background, because my colleague has sold a lot more businesses than I have, now I'm getting in the trenches and learning those at the literally the trenches level, like getting into all these, which I'm loving, right? Mm. Um, we're providing a value to him because if he didn't have us assisting him and advising him, he would get fleeced. He would get completely fleeced because a savvy buyer is going to come in and ask him these questions and saying, you don't know all these things here. You're not marketing your business. You're not doing this. And so what they're going to do is beat him down, down, down. Yeah. And if he's at the point where he's so desperate, he's like, fine, I'll sell it. And he's going to, he's going to sell it, but he's going to leave a couple. He would, if he didn't have us, he would leave literally 200,000 us on the table. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of money that he would leave on the table. Right. So anyway, that's my point of like, there's a lot of nuances. And so this is why the stuff that we're talking about here is if you address these things here, then it's going to lead into your P&L and you're going to be profitable and your business is going to be worth that much more. So if you choose to sell it and however you go to sell it, I would also advise your listeners to get an advisor to help them because there's a lot of nuances that you don't realize, not just on your P&L, but if you don't have somebody helping you through that process, you could, because you don't know, you've never been through this before. Most people it's going to do it one time in their life, unless they're a serial entrepreneur, right? But they're going to do it one time and they just don't know what they don't know. And this, this business guy I was just talking about, he's a software guy, he's such a nice guy. But if he didn't have us, one of the prospective buyers that I was on a call with him yesterday, and he acknowledged us after the call, we did a little post recap. He's like, man, if I didn't have you on that call, I wouldn't have known how to answer these questions. Yeah. The buyer is savvy. He would have just fleeced, <laughs> he would have just fleeced him, right? Yeah. But I was able to kind of coach him through some things. But that being said is he's still leaving money on the table because he doesn't have some of those things in place. Now, we're going to be able to protect him to some degree because we have, because of our value is we're bringing other buyers to the, to right. the table, right? Yeah. But that's our goal is to do it. So anyway, I'm getting a little bit off topic, but that's how this stuff relates is you want to grow all these things in the front and know your numbers front to back, know your lifetime value so you can be that most profitable for your customer. At that point in time, if you're going to tell a buyer, a prospective buyer for business, for every customer that comes on board to me, they're worth 100,000 US lifetime value profit. Yeah. If I know that about your business and you're just saying, I want to sell it because I want to move on, it's going to be worth much more because I know that if I can put more capital and more resources that you don't have right now, because a lot of these are smaller businesses, one, two, three, four people yep. are running this thing with a handful of people and they're just overwhelmed right now. A lot of people are just overwhelmed because there's still a lot of things you gotta deal with. All that's, there's just daily stuff coming at you yeah. that you get pulled into. So they just kind of wanna move on and that's the sweet spot that we deal with. And if somebody comes in that's a little bit bigger, a little bit farther down the road, that's, it's literally like the food chain process. You're down here, you've grown into a certain spot, which is where we were, we chose not to sell, and then we went back down, but these guys are up to here. They're gonna sell to somebody up here who's gonna take it up to here. These guys are gonna grow to a certain spot and sell it, and it's just the food chain that goes up, and that's how this works. And we're just playing a piece of the role down here, which is a very valuable place to the small business owner that it's, you know, whether you sell your business or not. But if you do, that's literally where you're gonna make the line share of the money because you're gonna have not too many six-figure exits in your life. You might if you're fortunate, but there's not that many people that do that, unfortunately. But listening, listening to this stuff will get you there though. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I was just gonna say, what kind of businesses are you seeing that are selling a lot right now? Is it mainly SaaS tools? Is it e-com stores? Because I, I feel like- obviously We're selling Pardon? We're selling both. Yeah. We, we sold an e-com this morning. We sold an e-com business this morning. And the other one I just talked about, the software business, is a SaaS business. Yeah. So our primary stuff that we're dealing with right now are e-com, SaaS. We've got a, 
we got two smaller what I'll call publishing or affiliate websites. So they're just basically blogs. Yeah. They have enough traffic coming in. They're monetizing it. But even then, I ask them, are you creating an email list? You know what the answer is? No. Yeah. And I'm like, why? You have eyeballs coming to your site. People are visiting and consuming content. You're making money from the ads and the pop-ups, but yet you don't hit, you're not building an email list because that's money that you, it's an asset, it's a piece of the business, which is another asset that then you can monetize by offering them valuable content. You don't have to worry about, people get hung up on, I, want, I, I was the same way. Like, I don't want to spam people. I don't want to do it because I don't like getting spam, right? Yeah. But yet if you're providing value to them, they're going to be on your list and some people are going to opt out. It's okay. I used to get offended by that too. I'm like, I don't want people to opt out. It's like, that's the wrong way to look at it. Well, now I know this, but earlier on, I didn't know this, right? I just want to keep as many people coming on board because if I identify enough ways that I can help and serve my customers, my list, and I build a relationship with them, like you are with your listers, you're building a relationship with them. They're going to keep coming back for more. Now, is every person that comes in today, tomorrow going to be there six months from now? Probably not. Not every person. You're going to lose people, but that's why, that's how you create growth. And at some point, it gets to a spot where you're like, okay, I want to move on. I want to do something different because life is going to change. My life has changed. If you'd have told me five years ago we would be doing this, what we're doing, I would have told you you're crazy. I would have fallen off the chair laughing, going, "You're nuts." But that's how things evolve, and life's going to change anyway. Yeah, and it seems like over the years that you've been in this entrepreneurial kind of place and the marketing and acquisition side of things, you've done a lot of learning. So I'm wondering, yeah. what what are you using to learn? Is it books, podcasts, YouTube channels? Because you, you seem to know so much. And obviously, a lot of that is from experience, clearly. But there's clearly something else that you're you're doing that you haven't quite mentioned yet, like books or podcasts or something. Well, you I mean for me personally? Yeah, you business? personally, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. So what I'm doing, it's a great question. So in addition to helping my colleague where we're advising these businesses, I'm taking them across the line to get that exit experience. I'm coaching and consulting businesses as well in terms of helping them because I've just there's so many businesses out there that are just stuck in a certain spot. So I'm doing two things. I will I will coach and consult them to get them on the right path, give them some insights, get them a fresh set of eyes because again, I've got that experience growing from zero to seven figures and now I'm helping these businesses, taking them across the line to the exit experience. So I'm seeing that whole, that whole life cycle, right? Yeah. And we're gonna take our business that got hit, we're gonna take that back up and grow it. So that being said is I know how this works. So I'm coaching and consulting businesses, taking them through that, whether they wanna sell today or not, if that's ever had a thought in their mind, I can do two things. I can help them, give them some insights on how to correct what they're doing wrong now and or get involved in a little bit more of a, a deeper relationship. It just depends what they want to do. If I can't help them, I'm always willing to point them to a resource that can help them because everybody's got different needs and they're just at different points in their life cycle. But the thing that I continue to see over and over again is people are not building a strong relationship with their customer and they're not focusing on how to develop that lifetime relationship with them. And building the relationship is going to come through in their email. I know people say, oh, I don't want to create all the content. It's just so painful. Guess what? With ChatGPT, that goes away. You can create a ton of content in the matter of an afternoon that you can spit out for a course of a couple of weeks, if not a month, if you just focus on that. Put that into a drip sequence. When Here's the thing. People are making a mistake in their emails. When people are coming in, you should be surveying them, quizzing them. Because when somebody clicks on a link, that's identified, let's just use e-commerce, whatever the pain point is, right? Let's just use weight loss, okay? It's a weird fitness, right? So people always think weight loss is part of, which it is, it's part of fitness, right? So if I send an email saying, oh, I've got this this, this uh, blog article, or I've got this product that I'm referring to that's gonna help you with this product in your weight, and there's a million things that come underneath that. If somebody opens the email and then clicks, 
They've self-identified, they've raised their hand saying, I have an interest or I have a problem in this area. So now I should send them a bunch of content which will continue down that path. Statist I will tell you right now, statistically, eventually they will go buy something if you're providing them something valuable. Mm. If your content in your emails, in your messaging, and all the stuff you do revolves around that theme, whatever that is, that you're solving that big pain point for your problem, your, your marketplace, statistically enough people will buy. And that's where I challenge people to find that that's not gonna work. That's just not how the business works, right? It's just, if you position your business the right way, that you're solving that pain point, or you're solving that challenge for them in the business, you're providing value, they will come back to you and do business with you. A mistake I made early on in my career, we growth, I'm thinking, I'm the small guy, nobody's gonna wanna buy my thing. And then they kept buying it, I'm like, wait a minute, how is this working? And then you have that imposter, like, wait a minute, how that, that's not possible. It's like, but it kept happening over and over. And then you start to realize, wait a minute, I'm the little guy down here. I'm now that person down here. And I'm competing with that big guy there. But then once I understood how these things worked, I'm like, ah, wait a minute, now I can compete with that guy. And I can do it at a shoestring budget. And he doesn't know what I know. And it's shocking that they weren't doing some of the stuff that I was doing, but okay, whatever. That's how a guy like me could compete with a guy like that. Yeah, most definitely. So it seems like you have so many different moving parts. You have your econ business, you have your you know, coaching and consulting side of things. I'm wondering what is it about what you do that brings you the most joy? It's really just helping people just move the needle a little bit, right? Just to see where I can see where they're stuck and I know their pain points could by asking them certain questions, just through a dialogue, through a Zoom call or whatever kind of dialogue or whatever modality we use, just by asking them a series of questions, I can see where they're stuck and I've pretty much been there. I may not have all the detailed answers, but I can, I can, I can help them. And that gives me, you know, enjoyment as well. And then if they want to engage in a deeper conversation, of course, then I charge some, some consulting fees for that, which I am more than willing to do. Because if they're going to pay me, they're going to get my attention, right? I get more than willing to do some things on a very short-term basis. Yeah. Because I know there's there's been very few times when I've talked to business owners where I can't provide some value to them. I, I mean, it's just, it just doesn't happen because I've been doing this long enough to where I know where there's certain spots that they're missing. Now, I just don't know what other things are going on in their business, all that stuff. So I can engage with them in different fashions. And I'm, I hope that answers your question. Where can the people find you online? They can find me at, and I've, I will do a special offer for your listeners. If they go to skrpmedia.com forward slash Sam, I'll do a special 30 minute call with them, no charge. I'll just offer it to them to give some value to your listeners. Because I know that you've got a lot of great listeners out there. If they want to take me up on that, I'll do that. If they, if they want to engage in something deeper, we can do that. And if not, that's okay too. But go to skrpmedia.com slash Sam, S-A-M, and that'll direct them to my calendar. And then we can set up a special calendar for you, Sam. And then we can set up a call and see if there's something there. But in worst case, I guarantee you this, we're both going to walk away learning something about our business that you didn't know. That is something that's happened every time. I'm going to learn something and they're going to learn something. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend.